Kate Miller Falcha, you're listening to the Letter from Ireland show. This is Series 1, Episode 4. Well, here we are on the Letter from Ireland show for another week. I'm Mike Collins. And I'm Karina. Welcome. Yeah, and I hope everybody's doing really, really well today. And uh, listen, just thanks very much, first of all, for coming in and spending your time with us for the next half hour or so. We think you'll really enjoy the show today. We've lots in store. And uh, we'd also like to say a quick thank you to people for their wonderful feedback on the show so far. This is a new venture for Mike and myself, and we really value uh, your feedback and any of your comments. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, this being episode four, following on from episode three, believe it or not, um, in the last episode, we talked a little bit about uh, whiskey in Ireland, and we talked a bit about um, a very particular family heading off to the green fields of France to set up a cognac dynasty. Um, I do believe there are such things. Well, this week, we're actually going to carry on on a similar theme, and we're going to head off, uh, well, we're going to keep it a little more local to Ireland here, and we're going to head off down West Cork in search of very particular bars and we're going to ask you, should you go into a bar with your name over the top of it? Well, I'll have a long story about that now in the minute. Yeah, well, how about you, Karina? Would you go into a bar with your name over the top? Well, I'd be lucky enough there aren't too many Cronin bars around, I think. But the bar that we're talking about, uh, McCarthy's Bar, there'd be a lot of them. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. So, yeah, so um, we're going to have two letters today. And the first of those letters, as Karina alluded to there is really all about taking a trip to Ireland and about a particular individual who took a trip as a first-generation Irish-Englishman, as it happens. And um, he had the credo, in fact, of actually always going into a bar with his name over the front door, which is a pretty good idea, I think, if you want to kind of a good relaxing holiday at least. And um, after that, then, we have another letter, and that particular letter takes a very specific bar and it gives us a remarkable story of an extraordinary man associated with that bar. So looking forward to that one as well. Great. And uh, Mike, will we start away then? That's a very good idea. So off you go there, Karina. So the first letter today in Series 1, Episode 4 is The Road to McCarthy's Bar. Cade Mila fall to everybody and welcome to your letter from Ireland for this week. I'm having a glass of water from the well this morning back to the simple things in life and I do hope you'll have a cup of whatever you fancy as you join me for today's letter. Now have you ever been on a trip to Ireland? Last week Patrick Mullen, one of our Green Room members, was looking for some help. You see he was planning his very first trip to Ireland and he was concerned about two things especially. The first, driving on the wrong side of the road as he saw it and secondly, How about the habits of the native Irish? And by the way, Karina, as we all know, we actually don't drive on the wrong side of the road over here. We drive in the middle of the road. So our driving habits are a bit unusual, all right. He was wondering, should he go for a bus tour or hire a car with all the uncertainties that that might bring? Maybe you've been faced with this decision in the past. I know many of our members might ask you that regularly, don't they? Whether they should come by car or whether they should travel around by coach when they're here in Ireland. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, you know, I suppose it's understandable. People feel, well, I just have a limited amount of time and 
I don't know my way around and I need a guide and so on. And I guess, I guess there's a middle ground. A lot of people actually end up going for small coach tours or maybe base themselves in places and go on a coach tour for a day or two, that sort of way, mm. but like to find their own way around as well. Yeah, great. So anyway, he got a mountain of advice and suggestions in the green room, and I'm sure he'll figure out the right thing for himself. However, I felt that Partrick should also read maybe the following book before making up his mind. And the book is McCarthy's Bar by Mr. Pete McCarthy. Maybe you've read it. Always go into a bar with your name over the door. I'm deeply struck by the connection most of our readers feel with the land, people and culture of us here in Ireland. Some people call it a genetic memory. Others just like to think of it as coming home when they manage to make that trip back to the Emerald Isle. Now, Pete McCarthy was a second generation Irishman. He was born in England to an English father and an Irish mother. He spent many of his early summers with his Irish cousins near the West Cork town of League back in the 1960s. He always questioned the attraction he felt to Ireland and his own resulting identity. Was he an Englishman or was he an Irishman? So in 1999, he made a trip around the west of Ireland and he travelled around a country that was rapidly changing into a modern economy. Now he was a an acute observer with many ties to the country through his own family. But he was also a brilliant comic writer. So as he wandered the land in a Volvo car named The Tank, that was on its very last legs, he spontaneously made his way from one hilarious encounter to the next. He had a general plan, but he let each day uncover its own possibilities. He was also very fond of the warmth and conviviality to be found in the pubs of Ireland and his guiding principle of never passing a pub that had my name over the door. And by the way, his surname was McCarthy, remember, that involved a lot of pubs in the south of Ireland. The book McCarthy's Bar was published in 2000 and went on to sell well over a million copies around the world. Why, it's still well worth the money today especially if you're planning a trip to Ireland and you need to sprinkle your timetable with healthy doses of inspiration and serendipity. Aussie Bikers, A Convent and Surreal Encounters If you do read the book McCarthy's Bar, you'll hear Pete talking about Con and Karen and his favourite lodgings, which was a wonderful convent turned into a guest house somewhere in West Cork. Now, Con and Karen are friends of ours also, and they used to run this convent guest house near Timaleague in West Cork. By the way, they now run the really marvellous deli called Letter Column Kitchen Project in Clonakilty. Do go over to their Facebook page and say hi. I'd like to tell you a story that Con and Karen told Mike and myself about Pete McCarthy. After Pete had stayed in their convent guest house while researching his book in 1999, he became a close friend and he returned many times with his family over the years. Over those years, the book McCarthy's Bar went on to become famous and attracted many pilgrims to the country to travel in the footsteps of Pete McCarthy. One morning, the breakfast room at the convent guest house was really busy, so Pete was staying there at the time and he decided to help Con and Karen with the serving. 
He went up to a table of Aussie bikers who were on a McCarthy's Bar tour of Ireland. They were spending two weeks tracing all the obscure places mentioned through Pete's book, and that included the convent guesthouse they were now in. They were carefully explaining all this to their waiter, their waiter, sorry folks, one Mr. Pete McCarthy. They were completely unaware of who they were talking to. Pete decided to stay quiet and not say a thing. Probably he was aware of possible heart attacks and brain meltdowns that might ensue from such a surreal moment. I do like picturing that story because it's so typical of what happens here in Ireland every day presenting a selection of surreal events. Now back to our reader and member in our green room, Patrick Mullen. I do hope you have a chance to read McCarthy's Bar, Patrick, and get a sense of the treasures that may come your way on this island as you open yourself up to the magic of spontaneous everyday encounters. Now, should you take a coach or hire a car? I know which one I do. Also, if you head to the right part of the country, you'll find plenty of pubs with Mullen over the door, Patrick. Slawn for now, Mike and Karina. I guess that letter touches on the main concern of people traveling to Ireland. Yeah. And, and you know, Mike, that the driving on the uh, left side of the road, because I know when we go to different countries and we have to drive on the right, that's always a concern for me. Um, yeah. and, uh, but it's really very quick that you get into the, into the rhythm of things. And I think we have a history here of very bad roads, but that's improved in recent years. So those horror stories are beginning to go away. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, uh, one of the big surprises people actually have when they come to Ireland, well, there's a couple of things really. And number one, um, we have a pretty decent road system now, the big highways and so on around the place that bring you from, you know, Dublin to Limerick and, Cork to Dublin and so on. But um, we probably have one of the highest density of roads in the world as well, of any any country, because we had those old boreens of old that actually cut up between all the fields, Mm -hmm. and they all eventually became little roads themselves. Which leads me on to point number two. Well, point number one is you're going to get lost quite a lot along those small boreens. And they are small, we have to admit. They are tight. But it's not a bad thing, because you'll bump into all sorts of people, start up all sorts of conversations, and, you know, like Pete McCarthy, end up with all sorts of serendipitous situations. But the other thing then as well is because of those small roads, you end up with fairly high ditches in places as well. So sometimes the beauty, I suppose, of actually having something like a coach is the fact that you can see over the boundaries and actually see into the distance. I know, Karina, you're always talking about that. Yes, yes. Um, or, you know, if you have yeah. an SUV or a four-wheel drive and you're, you're a little bit higher, they can make a difference as well, you know. So we have recommended... Uh, that sort of thing as well, if you are driving yourself. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And and I suppose, um, you know, maybe Pete McCarthy's way of maybe trying every bar with his name over the door wouldn't be to re- recommended, <laughs> but it is a good idea to try out the Irish bars. And again, I think that's something of interest to a lot of people that travel to Ireland. Okay, well, for our second letter of this particular show, we're actually going to go to a very, very particular bar. In fact, uh, one that Pete McCarthy himself visited and actually managed to feature on the cover of his book, McCarthy's Bar, because there is an extraordinary story at the back of that particular bar. And that's our second letter for this morning, which we'll start into now. Gade me the and welcome to your letter from Ireland for this week. It's a weekend morning here in County Cork and the middle of a public holiday weekend. So there's a relaxed feeling on the roads and all about. Now, in times gone by, it used to be the start of the builder's holiday. 
In fact, our own family used to pile into the car on a Friday night and head off to the wilds of Baldyhob in West Cork for a fortnight of laying about and not doing much at all. Now we really must head back and visit that part of the world in the near future. I'm having a cup of water from the well this morning, so do join me now with a cup of whatever you fancy yourself as we start into today's letter. Now today, we're going to go a little further west than Maldihob, all the way to Castletown Bear on the Bear Peninsula, to follow the remarkable story of an ordinary Irish man. The Road to McCarthy's Bar. Just last week, I published an older letter on the blog, in fact that's the letter that Karina uh, just read a little bit earlier, all about the book McCarthy's Bar, and the places the book covered in West Cork and abouts. Maybe you've read it? Well, the cover of the book features a picture of one McCarthy's Bar in particular, McCarthy's of Castletown Bear. Now stay with me now, and let's head into the same McCarthy's Bar in Castletown Bear, right through the front door to the back of the bar, and there we find a beautiful Japanese ceremonial sword in a frame on the wall. You see, there's an amazing story behind this sword, the story of a Dr. Aidan McCarthy of Castletown Bear. From Cork to Dunkirk to Nagasaki. The pub is owned by Adrienne McCarthy, and her father, Aidan, was born in Castletown Bear in 1913. Aidan studied to become a medical doctor in University College Cork, but ended up emigrating for work, like so many young Irish people, I guess. His journey led him to England, where he decided to sign up as a medic in the Royal Air Force at the beginning of the Second World War. He was present at the evacuation of Dunkirk in France in 1940, sheltering from the bombardment for three days before eventually being rescued. The ship on which he returned to England was torpedoed, but stayed afloat, and Aidan tended to the wounded and dying on that slow journey back. He proved himself both mentally and physically tough over the coming months, receiving the George Cross of bravery, but he needed all of that toughness for what was to come over the next few years. In late 1941, Aidan McCarthy was sent to help defend Singapore with a squadron of Spitfires and Hurricanes, but the city fell to the Japanese shortly after the squadron's arrival. McCarthy, along with thousands of other soldiers, was sent to a prison of war camp in nearby Java. Now, it's while imprisoned there over the next two years, he set up dietary regimes for the inmates to counterbalance the meagre rations and constant disease. Simple survival must have been an achievement. Among the summary executions, constant beatings, starvation diets, and a brutal work regime. Many years later, in 1944, he was put on board a ship back to Japan with a thousand other prisoners. And it was on that journey... Again, the ship was torpedoed, and all but 40 of the prisoners were killed in the attack. A Japanese ship picked up the survivors, but when they discovered they were Allied prisoners, they started to beat and kill the survivors, and then throw them overboard. Now, Aidan didn't wait for his turn for beating, but chose to take his chances, and jumped over the side of the boat into uncertain waters. As luck would have it, he was rescued and brought to Nagasaki in Japan, where he was reinterred as a prisoner. He was wild there, he assumed his role as a medic, but he himself was the subject of many beatings and later required surgery to his arms and spine. Now, you can only imagine how far away he must have felt from his friends and family in the quiet West Cork village of Castletown Bear. Then, in August of 1945, the city of Nagasaki became the last city in the world to receive a direct nuclear attack. 
Aidan and his fellow inmates were inside an air raid shelter during the bombing, and when they emerged, not only was the entire camp levelled, but the entire city too. The scene must have been beyond words for those few living witnesses, but Aidan quickly went to work, tending to the scorched bodies of the survivors as best he could. However, he and the surviving prisoners were rounded up shortly and sent to another labour camp. A few short weeks later, Japan surrendered and Allied troops moved into the area surrounding Aidan's camp. It may have been Aidan's philosophy and training as a doctor, but whatever it was, it led him to lock the camp commander into a room for his own safety. But that move saved the commander's life as the Allied troops marched into the camp with little appetite for mercy. As a mark of gratitude, the camp commander presented Aidan McCarthy with his ceremonial sword, an incredible mark of respect and gratitude in Japanese culture. Aidan then returned to England and retired from the RAF, and he married a girl from Galway. He continued to practice as a doctor in many parts of the world, apparently never losing his Cork accent. He went on to live a long life well into the mid-1990s, and it was only later in his life that he shared the, st- the stories rather, of horror of his experiences during the Second World War. And that's the story behind the sword that you'll find at the back of McCarthy's Bar in the small town of Castletown Bear in West Cork, should you stop there for a supper drink, a sandwich or a few groceries even. We often expect to hear stories when we go into an Irish bar, but there we have a story of the bar itself, the sword, and the amazing doctor, Aidan McCarthy. How about you? Do you have a similar story of survival and bravery in your family history? Chat again next week. Slam for now, Mike and Karina. Well, Mike, what an interesting letter. And also it brings to mind, I suppose, for us, how lucky we are here in Ireland to have avoided the horrors of that Second World War directly. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, I suppose a lot of our listeners, uh, they themselves, uh, you know, their grandfathers, their fathers, uh, nieces, nephews and so on, are even now involved in so many struggles all around the world. Um, you know, it's it really kind of bring. as you say, you know, we just do have it kind of good at the moment here in Ireland. Um, and these things don't necessarily go away. But wasn't that just horrific what he had to endure for so long? Yes. And still the inspiration and the spirit of the human human nature conquering all. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it also reminds me I get a lot of letters from people um, who talk about how their their great grandfathers or grandmothers and so on never talk about the past. You know, it's almost like let bygones be bygones. or That's too horrible to talk about. And here we have an example of Aidan McCarthy, who never really talked at all about his experiences, which you kind of understand, maybe right on to later in his life. And it's well, only at that point they actually captured it, made it into a book, in fact, a documentary as well. And uh, the entire stories were revealed, which is amazing, I think. Quite amazing. But I can understand why people might, uh, you know, want to move on from those times and those periods as well. Absolutely. And, you know, I suppose the other thing as well is you got the name McCarthy plastered all over the place there. And uh, as you and I know, McCarthy is one of those names we've all around us here in the south of Ireland, especially down around Cork. And, you know, we went to school with McCarthy's. We work, we work alongside McCarthy's. We see McCarthy's over shops and bars all over the we place. We went to McCarthy's bars all the time, that's for sure, mm-hmm. indeed. And it's one of those names that came down. Well, well they were the kings of Munster. Uh, for a long, long time, part of the Onuk tribe, uh, for a long, long time. And, um, you know, as I suppose Karina pointed out to me earlier, 
In fact, a lot of us have actually probably visited a few of their castles, and one famous castle in particular. Yes, and I think maybe a lot of our listeners might have plans to go there, Blarney Castle. That's the one, yeah, which is one, well, probably the main castle to the east uh, for the McCarthy Ray. That's a particular branch of McCarthy's. And then you've got the McCarthy Moor all the way down in Kerry. But listen, I'm getting a bit carried away here with all the facts and figures around the McCarthy's. Uh, but the fact is that, you know, uh, Pete McCarthy went up to Ulster, wouldn't have had such a problem at all. He wouldn't have found a McCarthy's bar anywhere. You'd have to be down here around Cork to find all those McCarthy's bar and into Kerry. So, folks, that's the end of our show for this week. And we do hope, uh, very much hope you enjoyed the letters. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen to Karina and myself uh, talk through these letters. It's wonderful the feedback we've been getting. Really enjoying it. Love your comments. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll give you a little bit more on where you can actually find out more, uh, where you can get the letters themselves, and where you can make some further comments as well, if you wish. Thanks for listening and look forward to chatting again next week. And long for now. Well, that's it for this week, folks. We do hope you enjoyed the show. And before we go, just to say that you can see the full show notes. That's the letters referred to in this week's show and some more links and so on in youririshheritage.com forward slash episode 104. That's youririshheritage.com forward slash episode 104. And next week, we're going to move on from drink in Ireland and pubs in Ireland and so on to something, well, just a little bit different. We're going to move and tackle, uh, tackle the uh, subject of religion in Ireland. But we're going to do it in a way that draws together a lot of our reader questions. Um, and also we're actually going to look at, I suppose, basically some of the surnames and lots and lots of stories behind that. So we know you're going to enjoy it and looking forward to chatting again next week. Take care, Slon. Music